Roll tape. Logo Centrifugal Podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford and Logo Centrifugal. I'll let you make up your mind which. I'm here with my special guest, Johnny Noble. Hello, sir. It's an honor to have you. Why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Good afternoon, Chance. It's a real pleasure. Um, this is always entertaining. It's been a pleasure getting to know you on Twitter and uh, just a bunch of other people. So uh, have at it, man. Ask me whatever you want. This is going to be fun. Okay. Well, <clears throat> you know, obviously one of the one of the striking things that stands out about you on Twitter um, is you have a very well established and professional brand. Um, and you talk a lot about the intricacies of having that kind of situation in your life and how you have struggled and how you've set it up. And, and then you're actually selling through Twitter as well. And I, I stumbled onto you because a lot of my friends on there, um, some of the older guys like Noble and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're kind of buddy buddy with you. And I would see your stuff pop up every once in a while. And then we kind of just had a little chuckle house on that, whatever meme meme thread a while back and just kind of connected and um and here you are on the podcast but i wonder <clears throat> was was there ever a time on twitter when you were separate from your brand and then you kind of stepped into what you're doing and, and or not uh yeah that's that's a great question because it's i think for someone in my position and many other people that actually have businesses that they want to promote in addition to meet people, make contacts, just generally have fun, acquire knowledge, shit post. I mean, there's a lot of different categories, but my Twitter started off as, um, it was an experiment. I was, I've been on Twitter since actually exactly three years. It was April of 2016 and I got on cause at that time, I was forming the branding for Noble Body. In fact, I actually filed the first trademark for Noble Body in, I believe it was March or April of 2016. Mm. So that's how long I was working on putting it all together and, you know, getting a great company name and a great branding and, you know, just bringing it all together. And um, I went on to Twitter to just to try to figure out how to use it because it seemed like a good it seemed like a good medium to reach people, meet new people, make contacts, everything I thought it would be. So it started off as something totally different. I think my handle was, um, I don't know, it had something to do with one of the ancient philosophers. And I didn't even have a picture up there for a while. Mm. My, my personal picture has been up there now probably for a couple years. Mm. And, that, and then as Noble Body morphed and I was doing the branding, with a designer, actually two designers, we had this idea to promote a front man for the company, like obviously many other companies do, do from um, Steve Madden, Jessica Simpson, Calvin Klein, you name it. So we thought it was a good way to have a persona person in addition to a company. And actually that ha that turned out to be a great decision. So as my as my Twitter understanding morphed, then it, I, I changed all my handles to noble body and it was hard because a lot of that stuff is taken. Hmm. Uh, so I had to get creative with it, but that, that's how I got to the Johnny noble body on Twitter. But 
I, I had been making friends and contacts that entire time and I wasn't putting too much into it because I didn't, you know, you, you get on there and you don't, you don't know shit. And it's like you're having a conversation with yourself for quite a while. Mm. And, um, but it ended up working out really well. I've made fantastic friends, fantastic contacts. In fact, uh, you mentioned one guy, Noble, he lives in here, here in Scottsdale and we've gotten to be pretty good friends. We stay in contact a lot. Um, that's cool. But yes. It, and his uh, new fiance, so uh, one of my favorite Twitter power couples. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just been a fascinating experience, but that's how I ended up here. And obviously there's other forms of social media. Noble Body does have a Facebook page, but I did that just – I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, but obviously I needed it to run Facebook ads, which mm. I'm working on, and also have an Instagram, which Instagram's a great medium for this type of – product line to throw some visuals out there and also connect with a lot of other people and a lot of other brands. So that's kind of a thumbnail of how I got here in social media, but Twitter has been uh, a pretty amazing experience. Nice. So um, there's a lot there. Oh yeah. Unpack. That was good. Um, <clears throat> I have a, a few things kind of jumped out at me as you were talking one of them is the level of preparation that you used or that went into what you were doing. You know, there was some foresight, there was some planning. And like you talked about how you came in and you were establishing things and you're trying to get a feel for stuff and weren't really sure about the social media situation. Um, and then you teamed up with designers and you guys came up with these concepts and eventually you had these strategies that you wanted to implement. And you, and you named fashion designers as case studies. And it sounded like to me when you were saying that, that you specifically went in and studied some case studies. And I guess I'm just wondering, like the, the strategy and the plan that you just laid out and the steps of action, how much of that was like forethought and, and um, like architecture of design of your game plan and how much of that was adapting in the moment and how did you like what were the struggles trying to find the balance between what you saw and what you really had to do yeah that that's a great question because you see so many different philosophies on starting brands and whether or not you should put a lot into a name and a logo and you know time and money and, and things like that and there's obviously different schools of thought on that my thinking was if I was really going to be serious and take one step back, I was a, a trial attorney for 20 years. So I had this work ethic and skill set of working my ass off, extreme attention to detail, long hours, extreme amounts of documents and analysis of whatever issues I was in the construction industry. So the issues were very complex at times. Mm. And my thinking was in, Moving from that to wanting to start a cosmetics company, I firmly believe that every single thing mattered and I wasn't going to be cheap on a name. I was going to pick a name that I felt in my bones that was potentially successful on an international scale, on a really large scale. And the the logo and the look and the feel of the of the products when when people look at them visually do they are they attracted to them are they repulsed by them obviously i felt like all of these issues mattered 
as I was developing this brand to give me a greater chance of success to come into a market like this that I would never use the word saturated. I think parts of this market are absolutely wide open. Mm. But it's obviously extremely inhabited by everything from very, very large international global players to very small niche players down to the farmer's market. So I thought if I was going to develop a, a sophisticated, advanced brand, all of those things mattered. So I put an enormous amount of time into studying logos and branding and design elements mm. and um, to determine what resonated with people on every level. In fact, I, I, w I even went to the extremes of having, uh, I think I used Typeform, it's a survey company. I was doing Typeform surveys and I was crowdsourcing all of these things as I was going along. I was crowdsourcing draft logos and I was crowdsourcing draft labels. I'd send people QR codes and they could mm -hmm. scan them and then go right to the survey and answer a few questions. And um, when people are honest with you, you get the most useful information for something like this. And that also then morphed into my product testing. I was doing QR surveys with people several years ago, four years ago on my actual formulas that ended up as the final formulas. So to answer your question, I studied everything. I bought several books on branding and design and influence. And, and I was already in that. I had studied years ago. I had studied argumentation and persuasion and human nature all the way back to college. I was always really, really intrigued by it. And I was always intrigued by what makes for good design and what makes for horrible design. In, in other words, why are some companies so persistently here and people are constantly attracted to them versus companies that appear and just vanish because people do not resonate with it. So yeah, the, I put an enormous amount of time into that and maybe I would have done a few things differently as I look back on it. I, I would have tried to compress the time and it's a long story. I, I, I moved as quickly as I could, but working with designers and trying to resolve all these issues, it just took way longer than I, than I thought it would and than I wanted it to. It was like a construction project. Hmm. It always costs more and it always takes longer than you think it will when you start. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly how it played out. Okay. So I like that. You know, I like, I'm a very systematic thinker when it comes to stuff and I like to, I like to know what I'm talking about. I don't just um, often like to assume, I mean, I have my assumptions, but there's a very clear difference in the way I resonate with something I'm assuming and something that I've studied and I know, and it's just very clear to me, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this. So I appreciate the amount of effort that you put into creating this project and being very serious about it. Um, so there's some interesting features here that maybe some people on Twitter in, in our kind of circle, especially of the younger generation are, it's important for them to know, like you're already an established person with an established skill set, and we're intelligent enough to understand that you could just easily transition or maybe not easily, but readily transition that existing skill set into, into, um, being of benefit to you and your new decision. 
And I guess I'm just wondering, like, what was the point at which you knew that you were finished with your old life? And how long did it take you to, um, first of all, figure out what you wanted to do? And then second of all, um, figure out what you needed to do and actually make the jump? Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty horrible time in my life. Um, and I'm not a crybaby, but I, I had been practicing law for a long time and I had a lot of success. I, I really, really enjoyed a lot of it. I absolutely loved some of the issues that I was working on and I had some great people that I work with and a lot of not so great people. I mean, that's the way life is. But I reached this point that's even to this day hard to describe. I still run into some of my old partners and colleagues. And, um, you know, there was people were talking behind my back, like people do about that I had lost my mind and all this other shit. And I, I didn't care. Um, but it, it was go, it's going back to my ex-wife and I, who I'm, I'm still on good terms with, but we did end up getting divorced. Uh, we were having issues. We had two little kids, um, two very stressful careers. She also has her own business. And you know, we were the proverbial ships passing in the night for years. So my marriage was on life support, and she knew it, and I knew it. I actually posted a, a really detailed thread on Twitter about a year ago just to kind of purge it from my soul. Hmm. And at that same time, I was struggling with just feeling horribly burned out practicing law with the stress and, and basically feeling like a, uh, a hit man that fight, fights over other people's money. I mean, that's essentially what I did at a, at a high level. Um, and I love construction. I mean, I, I did nothing but construction litigation. So the issues were very, very challenging, very complicated. I mean, everything from really complicated concrete cases to, you know, runways at air force bases and, med gas piping in hospitals and and any other issue you can imagine and it's just just on and on and on and on and the and the stress just eats a lot of people alive mm. and somewhere during that process i had i had kind of an awakening where i said i i'm too smart for this and i'm too driven for this to basically be kind of suffering in something that i'm truly not enjoying anymore and of course you get trapped by the money. I was making decent money as a, as a litigator. And there were some days in there when I just, I decided I was going to do something completely different and, you know, unfortunately move on from my marriage also. Um, so as that wrapped up and I, I resigned from my firm and then it, it took a while for our, our divorce to get finalized, which is, I wouldn't wish that on, on anyone, but, all, it's all too common, unfortunately. And I, when I got on the other side of that, I spent many, many weeks by myself in a room making notes and thinking about what I wanted to do, what industry what I was, was I going to go to. And I was, that's when I probably started to study Twitter and other business ideas and look at um, e-commerce because for Quite a few years. I mean, this this is what a lot of people are doing with e-commerce and Shopify sites and, and e-commerce platforms is really relatively new when you think about it, where, I mean, 
okay, 12 years where you could basically run a business from a supercomputer in your hand. Not even that because the applications and everything wasn't that advanced. So maybe seven years. So eight years. So, so I was at the beginning of it when I started to study it, but I knew that I wanted to put myself in a position where I had an e-commerce platform business where I can touch anybody in the world. And I kept thinking about what would that be? I'm into a lot of different things. I have a lot of different interests because I've done so many things in my life. I'm really into photography and wilderness and exploration and hunting and survivalism and a lot of things like this because of where I grew up and some of the things that my dad taught me when I was growing up and friends and, you know, and, and everything like that, every aspect of my life. And for some reason, I can't even explain why I kept coming around to the cosmetics industry and I, re and I started to understand better why that was. But there's another issue. I had skin issues when I was growing up. I had horrible eczema. And I had gained a pretty good understanding of natural compounds and natural oils and essential oils and a lot of the botanicals that I like to call healing botanicals because I think they do have really powerful properties for the human body and for overall health and wellness. So I had, I had been studying some of that tangentially, and then it all started to come together in my head when I realized the cosmetics industry is something where you can touch everybody on earth because they all have skin and hair, and I don't care who you are, you have some aesthetic factors about wanting to look good and feel good, and just the entire experience of cosmetic products and the the sensual nature of it and the intimacy of something like what I ended up developing a face oil or body scrubs, the olfactory aspects of it and the emotional connections with fragrances and, and things like that. I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating to me. So uh, somewhere along that journey, I think it was 2014, I started working on sugar scrub formulas because I had been making my own sugar scrubs for quite some time and and then as I got a better understanding of the natural compounds and the natural oils I started to work on and study in detail other formulas especially face oils I, I was very intrigued by the the concept of using natural oils as moisturizers and cleansers and and everything else and there was already a pretty well established market for products like that but not for that long. The I think the first, one of the first or the first commercial face oils on the market was by Linda Rodan. And hers didn't even come out until 2007. So that's not that long ago. And now, I mean, her Linda Rodan's face oil is in is everywhere. It's in every high-end outlet you can imagine. And it's a very high price point hmm. item. It's, I think it's $130 or $170 an ounce. So I was studying those formulas, those compounds, the marketing and, and everything that goes along with that. And then, and then it just hit me. I, I'm in the right place. And now even to this day, every day is, is an adventure because I truly love what I'm doing and working with these compounds and studying them and understanding them. And you know, I, I canceled my cable a couple of years ago because I just didn't have time or, or the desire yeah, to watch yeah. 
movie ever again. <laughs> so when I watch TV, I'm watching videos and documentaries on the, the best perfumers in the world because there aren't that many of them. So, I mean, that's how, how deep I've gone into it about understanding the natural compounds and the fragrant compounds. And I've posted a bunch of stuff about that because I've, some people it doesn't resonate with. In fact, most people it doesn't. They just ignore it, but I don't care. But the, the natural compounds are absolutely fascinating. I mean, if you had any idea how many chemical compounds that a perfumer has at his disposal, it's mind-boggling. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of chemical compounds and natural compounds go into making a fragrance or a perfume. And now that I've come this far and I get compliments on fragrances that I've created from people that I really respect, it's just an absolutely amazing feeling when a woman that uses your face oil tells you that it smells heavenly. That's an actual quote from a woman that bought my face oil recently. I mean, it's, it's just an amazing feeling. And, and when I get reaffirmations like that, as I'm going forward, it just makes me realize that I'm exactly where I belong in the universe right now. Nice. So I just, I just want to point a few things out real quick and then I'll, and I'll ask you another question, but um, I just want to talk to the listeners here for a second. The fascination that you have here and the, and the dedication and the obsession, but not the, like the sickly I'm spiraling into a cave and blotting out the world obsession. But like, this is, I'm obsessed with this because this is how I'm going to make my way into the exactly the life I want to be living. And I'm doing what I love and I'm learning about what I love and I don't need anything um, that doesn't contribute to what I'm doing because this is my vision and this is my passion. This is something that I talk about a lot and I always try to, you know, I like I, I try to school people with principles first because principles guide you in a direction and you can see more clearly what it is you're trying to find. But that being said, I just I just wanted to stop there for a second and, and just kind of break the fourth wall and say to the listeners, you you should have paid attention to what was just said. And 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 now I'm gonna bring it back and just I wanna I wanna ask you, okay, so here you are sitting and you're and you're saying to yourself, I have these principles. I want to I want to have global outreach, you know, I want to be unlimited. And I also want to do something that I can believe in, that, that I feel connected with and that I can feel good about. And you're looking and you've had the issues in your life that you learned about through your own um, like sort of autodidact education and necessity. And you figure out this stuff and you go, oh, I've got it. I've got it. This is the thing. I, what is your process from that point to, to designing the thing? Like, Walk us through how you developed and where you looked and how you decided to move from, from I, I realize what I want to now I'm rolling and this is what I'm doing and these are my steps. It's, uh, it's truly an amazing process. I, I recently described it to a friend as when, um, when I was going through that uh, I don't even know what the right word is kind of a transformation of doing something completely different to wanting to create something. And, and that was the essence of it. I, I had been, I was so burned out and I was in such a bad place from what I had gone through and what I was going through. I was just trying to, I was trying to process all that. And, you know, obviously a lot of that made me 
make not as good as decisions as I could have. Cause I, I truly wasn't thinking as clearly as I usually do because of all the, you know, the, the hardship type things I was going through. But I described it to a friend as there was some sort of a, like a glowing thread going through the universe and I just grabbed onto it and I just didn't let go. Mm. And I, I mean, still now, okay, so we're, we're four or five years in. I started this in earnest in 2014, so I'm close to five full years in of working on something that I was just not going to quit on, and, and not in a stupid way. I mean, I recognize when you push yourself too far and, and maybe the idea is horrible or, or whatever the factors are, but if you're making the right decisions and you keep advancing the ball every single day and making good decisions and just keep the perseverance and the effort, there was a Steve Jobs quote I, I retweeted today because it really resonated with me about entrepreneurs and per perseverance. And I think some of the biggest factors to attain your goals are and this is not for the faint of heart or the lazy or the unmotivated or the people that don't have initiative or can't get out of bed or can't stay on a schedule or don't have discipline. This is not for you. I mean, because every single day you have to get up and you have to, and you have to do something that is going to advance whatever it is that you're working on. And as I started to go through that process, I mean, honestly, a lot of days were a complete clusterfuck. I would, I would sit at this lab table right here, which is now my office table, and some days I would sit there with a blank sheet of paper and I would say to myself in, in a room by myself, what should I do today? And I just kept doing that. And then some days it's, oh, I know exactly what I should be doing, what I should be studying. So as I started to perfect formulas and I was really rigorous about my testing and my record keeping and my understanding of the compounds, because these are, these are things that can hurt people, obviously not, you know, these are not compounds that can really cause serious issues with people. Most of them, you obviously have issues with pregnant women and certain essential oils and things like that. Most people are aware of, those types of issues, but um, it was basically understanding the oxidation of the natural compounds and the preservation and the antibacterial, antimicrobial. So I was studying by actually creating formulas that the first person that would use every single thing that I would test or that I would create would be me. And then if I thought it had some merit, then I would pass it out to a wider audience in my circle here in Phoenix that's where it started and some other friends that would take things home with them or I would send them to them. And as I got really into something like natural oil formulas, which is, has turned into my thing. I mean, I'm, I'm super into it and I, I not blowing my horn, but I have to have one of the best understandings on earth. I have to be in the top. 0.001 percentile of people that have an understanding of what makes a great oil cleanser. That's one of my next products. I'm working on an oil cleanse. I think it's right here somewhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's an actual test of an oil cleanse formula that I'm on 
well, this is only batch number seven, but I had made a bunch before that and um, a body oil and a whole bunch of other things. But it started with the face oils. So I went through this process where I would create a sheet to keep records. I would study other other formulas that were on the market. And then I would go through every single ingredient list and I would say, this is in here, why is it in here? And I would make a call on specific ingredients, botanicals, essential oils, natural oils, um, other cosmeceutical type ingredients. And I went through that process for years. I, I think the face oil formula I developed, I worked on for two solid years hmm. with that study and that understanding and creating a, a unique fragrance that does not exist anywhere in the world. That was my goal. And going back to what we talked about earlier, I thought that was another way for me to, if I do it right, to separate myself and this company and to further ensure success by having unique products that aren't just more fungible bullshit from some other big cosmetics company. So sure. that, that was the essence of it. It was a very, very long process with a lot of testing. And then along the way, I would have these epiphanies because I would pass product out to a lot of different people to test it and just say, hey, what do you think? I mean, is, is this good? Does it suck? I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I kind of know what I'm doing now, you know, as I'm going through it. And then this weird thing would happen. People would start texting me, calling me, emailing me saying, hey, do you have any more of that stuff? And that's when it started, that little things like that would keep me going because I had a lot of days where I would sit there and say, like, are you crazy? Like you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what you're doing. And yet here you are struggling away, making zero money, you know, working on these concepts that you have no idea where your not finish line, but starting line is to me. The starting line was when noble body went live in late 2017. So that was a long agonizing, testing process and essentially an evolution of of me personally and making a company concept from an idea to an actual reality that was that was the transformation and the evolution that i look back on now and i'm not even sure how i made it through it how i kept going but i but i did and here we are so um pretty amazing journey so far and and i'm not even close to being done. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing process. So <laughs> I'm much like you in a certain regard, which is that when I get into something, I get very into it and I research and I dive in and I can get borderline obsessive or sometimes right across the line into obsessive, but it's a passion and it's a fascination and it's a love that that drives it you know it's not some like golem thing it's just like i get so into it that everything else kind of falls away and it's not necessarily healthy sometimes because i'll sacrifice sleep i'll say but it's but then you know i step back after a while but one of the things that i i made last year was a body salve i was having some issues with some skin stuff and I was also looking for something that I could put on my body um, before a workout and or after a workout to kind of rejuvenate and invigorate anti-inflammatory and also some, some warming stuff. Yes. So I made this salve. And to be honest, um, 
Like I'm a person who's like, okay, this is the effect I'm after. Never mind any other considerations. So smell was not a factor. Like ease of use was not a factor. And so I made, initially I made it and it was very waxy. I very much um, like overestimated how much wax I could use in a formula before it was just like basically unusable unless I wanted to sit there and rub it for two minutes. So, okay, I remelted it. I added in some more oils to, to thin it down so I could just like scoop it and spread it like a, like a true salve. Um, and that was about like double the amount of oils I thought I was going to need. So it's like, all right, here's some, here's some more study. And what am I, what else, what else do I get to put in this? And I came up with this thing and it worked great, but my wife fucking hated it <laughs> because <laughs> it smelled weird. I mean, it just did. Cause I, I had, I had, I had all kinds of stuff in there and, it, and none of it was aligned with how you might want to smell versus how it made me feel. And it worked great. I mean, it killed all the fungus out of my two big toenails and it cured some other skin stuff and I would put it on sore joints and they would feel better and then the inflammation would go down and I could, I could, I was like, all right, this is exactly what I meant to do. But my wife every morning would be like, ah, just get away from me with that smell. It's so overwhelming. And I used unbleached beeswax. It was kind of this yellow color with some other, it, it was, it just looked, you know, it was like, so so the point being there, I wonder you get into the you get into the botanicals, you get into the natural oils, you get into the understanding and deep into the understanding. These are the effects that these things have. These are, you know, you're doing all the research. Why is this here? Why is this here? Why is this here? And then you have to decide, I'm gonna make a thing. And one of the things I want to do is have it be functional, but also really pleasant, really unique, and you know, like you said, a divine fragrance you got feedback, a divine fragrance, and that's a hell of a compliment. So I wonder like, uh -oh, how difficult froze. was it for you to, can you hear me? You're good? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, you froze for a second on me. Okay. Uh, last, last thing I heard was divine fragrance. Okay, sure, so, so my question is, how difficult was it to, decide these are the um like physiological effects that i want versus this is how pleasant like the this the smell and the and the more like say visceral components to it versus the functional components um well in hindsight it's extraordinarily difficult and as I was studying, uh, and I, I've actually made salve, and I have draft salve and balm formulas. I'm, I'm really into sports and health and fitness, so I have a pretty well-evolved sports balm formula that I've been working on for a while um, with some twists in it. Everything I've done has some sort of weird twist that I try to differentiate, and, and it's not – it's not a concocted differentiation. It's in my head. These make perfect sense to me about why I would do it this way. I see. So, so I was studying, um, it, it started with oils and then it morphed into other things. Um, like I, I have so many product ideas right now. I, my top three are almost done. Um, my bomb or salve formula is probably five or six on the list mm. because people have actually come to me recently um, several, three people uh, with three completely different product ideas. Um, we're going to cut it loose one of these days. We'll talk about it. But um, one of them is almost done. It's pretty highly evolved. And the oil cleanse formula I told about, told you about is almost done. That's pretty highly evolved. 
And then there's another one, a girl that works in a hair salon came to me with a really great hair product idea that I've actually done some test batches on. So, but to step back to the beginning, um, I was looking at the factors for a product like a face oil. What do people look for in these products? So I dove on to say Linda Rodan's site and I read hundreds of reviews. How many ever were there? I read them all. And I would write down buzzwords about what people said was pleasant, what people said might have been unpleasant. And it boiled down to a few key factors. And always in my head, it's imagine yourself putting a product like this in your palms. The first factor is visual. What does it look like? Is it pleasant, unpleasant, benign? What is it? And then the second factor is as soon as somebody does this, how does it feel? So you have that, that slip and feel on the skin factor. Is it overly slippery? Is it tacky? Is it sticky? How would you describe it? That's a huge factor. And then the third factor that's closely aligned with that is the absorption rate, depending on the type of product. With a face oil, people are still conditioned to believe face oils or oils make your skin oily, which is absolutely incorrect. Now, it can be true if you're using certain kinds of oils by themselves, like, say, coconut oil. But co coconut oil is it's a magnificent, miraculous compound, but if you're going to put it on your face and your hair, it's, it's heavy, it's oily, it's greasy, it's going to leave residue, it can stain clothing. So there's a lot of different factors that go into that. And... That, you know, so the absorption rate is, is absolutely critical for something like a face oil. It has to be, I, I, I like to tell people the face oils I've developed are light, clean, fast absorbing, and that's it. And then the last and maybe one of the main pieces of the puzzle is once it's on people's hands and they're going to put it on their face, that fragrance has to be as close to spot on as it can possibly be you're not going to make everybody in the world happy, but if you can develop a fragrance like that, that resonates with people, then, and you hit all those other factors, you potentially have a winner on your hands. And then of course the last factor, and one of the main factors also is, does the product do what you promise it's going to do? If it's, you know, make your skin look better, make your skin look better, feel healthier, look healthier, then you have to fulfill that prop that promise to the customer purchaser or you're dead. Mm -hmm. And, and once again, you're not going to make, you're not going to convince everybody. You're not going to make everybody happy. Everybody's not going to resonate with your message and your branding and your fragrances. And I understand that. But if, if you're getting a high percentage of people that enjoy your products and think your products have merit, then you're onto something. But, but that is a long ass, agonizing process to get to that point where people are going to honestly tell you, wow, you know, your product is fantastic. And I don't know how I got here some days, but I did, I got here and I have a very high returning customer right now. And I, I know I'm onto something because of the metrics that I've gathered and the relationships I've developed with people and customers over the last about year and a half and a lot of people have noticed I'm extremely hands-on with 
talking to people and answering people's questions. A lot of what I do on a, on a given day is I get a lot of uh, DMs and I get a lot of emails from people just asking me general questions about the product. Will it do this? Can it help this? And I think I answered three or four questions like that just today. So um, I'm, I'm extremely hands-on to give people information to get them to understand it. Uh, I have a guarantee on my website that's been called insane. I, I've been told to my face that it's insane because I told people that um, I'll give you your money back for six months if you don't like this product. And I stand behind it because I'm so confident in it. And of course, some people have gotten their money back because they requested it. But the percentage of people that requested a refund is, I would say, incredibly low under the circumstances. So that entire process is absolutely fascinating to me because there are so many moving parts to it. And when you're talking about women and women using cosmetics products, women are extremely difficult to please when it comes to cosmetics because they have so many choices and they are conditioned to believe certain things about certain products. And of course they've used just bazillions of products. So they have a radar. <laughs> women have a radar for bullshit that is, that is very, very highly refined. But if you get some of those women on your side because they truly like your products, whatever they are, whether it's a sugar scrub or whether it's a face oil or a body oil, if they recognize the merit for a use and once again that you're fulfilling your promise to them about what the product can do for them, then you have a winner on your hands. And it's a long, difficult process, but it's it's doable, but it's – it's a challenge, man. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. It's there's some there's some rough ass days in there where people would tell me back in testing, oh yeah, I mean I didn't hate it or you know <laughs> I guess it's okay. I don't know, you know. I mean, not really the ringing endorsements that you want to hear, like I'm getting now. But yeah. you, know, that, and you just have to divorce yourself from your ego and just keep going on your mission or just quit, just go do something else because it, it's not going to be easy. You're going to get your ass dragged through the mud by a lot of people that will be honest with you. And that's what you need. You need honest recon from people in order to take something like this to another level so that a lot of people really do enjoy it and benefit from it. So. I, I love that. There's some, there's some stuff I want to pull out there. You know, there's often, there's often, a misconception in the world of entrepreneurship that the reason that you want to be an entrepreneur is because your life is going to be easier or that your new job is going to be, you know, it's going to be this like miracle job and you're just going to sit at your computer for seven minutes a day while you're drinking coffee. And it's like, you know, there, there might be like a dozen guys like that in the world who are actually making a decent living because they figured out this little niche and they're, they kind of got in and they got established and now they have this brand that just, steamrolls itself but what I want what I want to point out and is that you know like you were a lawyer and that's a hard-ass job and you just said 
there were days when I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I, I just like, what am I supposed to do here? And then I would try to figure it out and I would, you know, I'd dive in, but you're a smart guy. Clearly you got a systematic way of thinking, you, you know, you, all the stuff that you've just laid out, 95% of the people at least who are starting their own business aren't as methodical, aren't as just like all out in the research and the testing and the development. Most people are not going to have the kind of money that it took for you to be able to do this and for this to be your life. You know, you, you were in a position where you would earn some space to be able to do this and some unfortunate circumstances and a hard ass situation led you even into the decision to do this for yourself. And then you just, you ask yourself every day, basically, except for some of those real winter days, why am I even doing this? And then you went ahead and did it anyway. And that's hard to do. It's a hard thing to do. And those kind of sacrifices and dedication and having the means to do what you did. It's not like, I want people to be clear, having your own business like you have. And I can tell the passion. I can tell the love. I can tell the joy that you have and the satisfaction when you hear something like your fragrance is heavenly or I love using this and I'm going to buy it forever. And I yeah. love the balls that you have too. You know, like I'll give you your money back for six months if you don't like it. I'm totally cool to do that. And people say you're crazy. You say, no, I'm serious about this. And I'm confident because I've done the testing. I've done the research. So uh, what would you say to somebody who wants to start a business? Like what are the cautionary things and what are the benefits? But both of them, you know, so that people are kind of clear where you're at. It's awesome, but it took some shit to get there and it's going to take some shit to move forward no matter what. Yeah. I, I mean, everybody's situation is different too. I, I did have some, some money saved. I mean, by, by any metric, it wasn't an extreme amount of money and I do let, try to look pretty simple. Um, but I did have some money saved and I, I, I lived very simply when I was making a bunch of money. So I, I also had access to credit. So, you know, I've racked up a bunch of debt doing this. I mean, there's no sugarcoating it. I'll, I'll pay it. Um, but my situation was a little different in that I did have a cushion and I was willing to go all in and work my ass off to make it viable. Um, you know, in, in a fixed period of time. And I had timetables that just kept getting blown away because of how, how difficult the process was. So to answer your question, everybody's situation is different, but everybody has the means and the ability. If you have a reasonable int intellect and you have drive and determination and perseverance, you have the ability to start something whether it's on the side because you have to maintain your job, your nine to five, whatever you want to call it. And we hear that all the time. And, and I am absolutely never down on somebody that, that works a regular job. I mean, most of my friends do because, um, you know, it's, it's their thing. And a lot of them are extremely successful. Some of them aren't happy. Mo many of them are, but if you have, yourself in a position where you're making good money, you have obligations, everybody has bills, many people have kids and everything else. I mean, you, you can't put yourself in a position where you're going to, where you're going to have a catastrophic financial event. I mean, you know, that's, that's the thing about this for me is it, it you know, <laughs> all these years and all this effort have stretched me financially and, somehow I just keep making it work because it's that same mindset. I wake up and I make it work and I will continue to do so. 
So everybody has that in them to find something that you are into. And here, here's a differentiator for me is people say, oh, you could start doing this or that. You could be a, a direct response marketer. You could be a copywriter or you can learn drop shipping and all that's fine. But I, I think people lose a lot in the transition of, okay, I'm going to drop ship cat supplies or, or whatever, pick a category. I mean, who, who the fuck can actually get passionate about cat necklaces or something? <laughs> and it's great. And I know a lot of guys that have made a shit little, <laughs> you know, but, it, but to ensure your success as a, a budding entrepreneur or somebody that wants to start a business or a side business or a main business, if you pick something that you're really into, you increase your chances of success because you have this internal drive to be successful because it's something you really dig, whether it's art or photography or baseball or I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. He's really into cars. And do you remember when I put out a feeler for young men that maybe needed some counseling um, about a week or 10 days ago? I, I, I told them, hey, if you guys are really struggling, I'd be happy to talk to you, especially mostly personal issues. I'm not going to advise you on your cat necklace drop shipping store or whatever. <laughs> well, the, the response was so crazy, overwhelming that I just got absolutely inundated. I think I've talked to five or six guys face-to-face -face so far, face-to-face um, -face here in Phoenix and uh, via FaceTimes all over the world. And I'm going to keep doing that. But I told one guy, he's really super smart. He's really ambitious. He has some personal issues he's dealing with, but he's really, really into cars. And I said, look, there's some way you can find an angle to leverage your not only interest in classic cars and cars and car parts and whatever, and he has design skills too. So we, we talked a lot about how to leverage his passions for vehicles and cars and car parts into maybe some sort of a business opportunity. So I, I do think it's there. And where, where I diverge from a lot of people is don't just do something to do it because you want to make extra money. That's fine. But I think your chances of success are way higher if you pick something that you're really into. So. So I like that. Um, one of the things that's very important to me is being true to myself, you know, really trying to put myself out there as who I really am, or at least if I'm going to be putting forth a persona or a character that it's true to a part of who I am, it might be a caricature, but it's just features of me that I've blown up for effect. Um, and it's very easy to sniff out when somebody's not doing that. If you're looking for it, you know, if you like, there's a certain level of naivete or there's a certain level of just um, convenient acceptance that goes on in a lot of people just because it's a very confusing world. There's a lot of distractions and sometimes you just want to accept a message at face value because it takes effort and it takes mental space to try to parse through the message. But there's, there's a lot of things you can do to earn money. There's, there's infinite money in the world. You know what I mean? And there's, and there's billions of people and, even if you find something that only 1% of the world is interested in, you could amass a fortune so large that it would boggle your mind if you could really tap into that 1%. And so I agree with you that 
you know, if you, if you want a lasting situation, okay, maybe you need some money right now. Maybe you need to make $200 a month to pay your bills and to stay afloat and to have the gas and to buy the groceries. Cool. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, it is what it is and, and make it work and do what you got to do. But at a certain point, okay, you know, I'm in a place because I've been disciplined. And like you said, you, you live a Spartan lifestyle because um, maybe that's your preference, but then also your passion demands it because it's taken everything you've had to, to make it work and it continues to do that. Okay, and you've taken on all this risk and you've, um, but you have the belief in yourself and the confidence that you can make it work. Like you just said, and I, and I heard you and I believe you. I'll continue to make it work. I will. I'm just going to, no matter what, because I have it in me and you have it in you. Okay, fair enough. So, so like I'm, I'm doing my thing too. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I have a lot of stuff to offer and I'm learning how to, to break into the market and how the things that I have to offer are, are valuable to people and how I can communicate that kind of stuff. Uh, Cause I have the silly side and, and I've always had that. And it's very easy for me to entertain people and stuff, but how do I get serious and use that as a springboard and then convince people that what the other stuff I have to offer is valuable too. And that's a tricky process. I can tell you that. But so my point is let, let's imagine, let's imagine that there's a person out there who, cause you just talked about mentoring and counseling or, or maybe not quite counseling, but mentoring and just kind of help and lift people up who are um, maybe not as developed as you in certain cat or certain areas. So let's say that there's a guy out there, and he's somewhat similar to me, like, you know, not me specifically, but I'm just saying, okay, you have a passion, you have a drive, but you're inexperienced in how to communicate that and how to draw people into your message. What would you tell a guy? What are some of the steps or tools that you would suggest that someone might use to develop their message, to develop their brand in a way that you have that's been so effective? Yeah, once again, that's... I, that's very personalized and situational based on what people's objectives are, you know, whether it's some sort of a, a counseling, anything from a counseling business to a, you know, a personal brand. Um, I, I, I think there's a formula for success that has been laid out by a lot of guys already. And there are enormously successful men and women on Twitter that have accomplished amazing things in short periods of time, depending on what they were doing. I, I mean, I always look at guys like Ed Lattimore and Christian McQueen and AJ Cortez, and there's, there's a lot of them. So there, there are roadmaps and, and these younger guys too. Like yeah, I met a bunch of them like Sebastian and Nate Schmidt and Scotty. I mean, these, these kids are amazing. And you know what, that, that if you want to study some of these guys, look at them and look at how hard they work. The, none of this is easy. And anybody that goes into this thinking, Oh, you know, bro, I'm going to pop up a drop shipping store and sell dream catchers. And it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're out of your mind. I mean, the shit <laughs> takes, these guys work their asses off and they have a plan and then they, they change their plan as they need to, to adapt to a new situation or because something isn't working. You have to test things and see if they work and if they work, you follow it. And if they don't, you need to change your plan and you, you have to be chameleon like in your approach. A lot of the ideas I've had and a lot of the things I've done 
along the entire way with this company are it changes constantly it changes constantly now with with marketing and product ideas and and presentation and maybe the way the site responds or you know should you put this plug in that does this or should you revisit your international shipping i mean i have so many questions like that it's mind-boggling because i'm working on them all the time and but i'm not just going to jump in and start changing things i'm going to slowly implement things that i think could work because it is working and the idea is to get it to the next level but somebody that's just starting out the first thing is you have to start you have to pick something and you have to start and you have to have some sort of a roadmap that's what i would recommend a lot of people go without a roadmap but there's a lot of maps out there now so anybody that's going to start something and then just do it willy-nilly and you know take take shots in the dark it's your chances of success are way lower but if you follow the blueprints that have already been laid out there by older and younger guys in many many different industries and disciplines you increase your chances of success dramatically and that's another thing is if you have a little extra money, do not be afraid to pay for a qualified mentor that has the track record because there's a lot of them out there. And a lot of the most successful guys out there have paid mentors. And I have, I've paid, I've paid business coaches, mentors. I've probably paid, I don't know, over the last few years, five or six people to counsel me on different issues, including attorneys too, on um, some legal issues, that's a different story. But as far as the business advice and, and branding issues and marketing issues, I've consulted with tons of people. And you can't be afraid to do that. You can't be afraid to divorce yourself of your ego and say, I don't know something, I should ask somebody because $500 spent now will send, say, save you $10,000 over the next year and a half, no question about it. I, I definitely spent money that I would like to have back because I made decisions that I shouldn't have made. But that's part that's part of the process. And you, it happened to me today. <laughs> there was a, it was a relatively minor amount, but I just I wanted to kick myself in my own ass because it was something that I had a minor oversight on, and I just I just thought you know, damn it, that was, you know, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And there's a lot of those, but then there's a lot of good days too. So, but I, I, it's a moving target, but there's a lot of information in there for younger guys, especially that want to start something and do something. And um, rule number one is just start. <laughs> I mean, start and don't stop. Just don't quit. Don't be a quitter. So um, there's something... It's a very interesting thing. You know, I'm, I think this is my 21st Logo Centrifugal podcast. And I've, I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions. Um, and I'm always trying to, like, I'm, I'm here to learn, you know, but I am also cognizant of the fact that other people are here to learn. And that's kind of what I'm doing here. And I ask, I ask a lot of the same questions sometimes because I'm interested in the different answers of different people who are having their own success. But one thing that is, common and i've been saying this for a long time now i have a phrase follow the pattern and what i mean by that is if you want to do something somebody's already the best at it out there almost everything there's it's already been done it's already been mastered somebody's really good at it and if you just look at what they do 
and just copy that exactly at first and then adapt to it. So like I talked to Larry Chang yesterday and he said something very similar to what you said. He said, look, you should outsource the pattern recognition. Pattern recognition is very hard. Plus somebody's already done it. Somebody's already built on somebody's already built on somebody. And if you just look at who's the best at it and then it's pattern, it's pattern repetition and it's pattern integration. So he was basically saying the same thing. And many of my guests have said the same thing. Look, somebody's already doing it. Just copy them. But don't, but don't confuse that with easy or don't confuse that with a lack of effort. It's just that the confusion and the, uh, you know, like the, what, what am I even supposed to do right now? A lot of that can be answered just by copying somebody who's already done it well. So I find it, I find it especially impactful that so many interviews in that same piece of advice has arisen and arisen and arisen. Um, and I guess, um, that's one of the signs I guess I'm looking for now as I'm recognizing what people are saying is like, you're a successful guy. There's, I've talked to a lot of successful people and they're all telling me, Hey, just, just go copy the pattern. You know, like you have to do your own thing and you have to get into it and everything. But like you, you said, it hadn't been around that long. And I went and I studied the people who are already doing it. And I, and I studied it deeply and buzzwords and how are they marketing and what's their branding like and what are they saying about it? You went and just studied the pattern and then you copied it at first and now you're refining it and doing your thing. So, um, I think that's an important point. And I guess, look, we're, we're nearly an hour in to this conversation, right about an hour. And, you know, this is typically the point at which, um, I like to give an opportunity to you to speak instead of speaking to chance. And, you know, we've been talking for an hour and, I've had the benefit of picking your brain. Imagine there's a listener out there and it's probably a younger person, you know, in their twenties and they're listening to this podcast and they're looking for some guidance. Whoever that person is in your imagination, what's the one thing you would tell them if you were sitting across from them looking in, in the eyes and you were advising them like, do this to, to get what you want in your life. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Let me go back uh, and touch on your patterns thing real quick. Um, sure. When you think about it, life is, everything is composed of particles and particles move in waves. So if, uh, and this, this is not to get mystical and magical, but that it's, it's physics and everything moves in waves. And there, after doing this project, I firmly believe there is, and I thought it was bullshit for a long time, but I, I firmly believe there is something to the, the whole manifestation thing. And, and maybe not, maybe it's not you telling or requesting something from God or the universe, whatever you want to refer to it as. It's more you manifesting within, I've thought a lot about this. It's more you manifesting within yourself a destiny because you keep telling yourself or asking the universe, which is the same thing. You keep telling yourself about, a goal or an objective or a plateau that you want to reach, whatever you want to call it. And a lot of the manifestation is internalized by you as a person and in your, your visions and your ideals and your goals. And then you take that manifestation and you put it into action because all the manifestation in the world isn't going to do shit without taking concrete and discipline and regular action to achieve some goal. So the, the whole wave theory and, and wave thing is very, very fascinating to me. 
um, once you grasp your insignificance in this universe, it's almost like everything goes on easy mode because the, this you get one ride on this rock and it's really a pretty short ride and you just make the most of it and don't let petty bullshit and distractions take you away from whatever it is that you want to accomplish on this earth while you're here. Um, now, as far as speaking to younger people, I, I've had some of these conversations just recently and but a lot of the common things that I find myself saying because it, it keeps repeating and repeating because it's, it's me thinking about where I was. Let's say I'm talking to a 24, five year old guy or a 23 year old guy, you know, and some of these guys are already successful, but yet they're frustrated because they think that something's missing. That, that was kind of a common theme. And when I look back, when I was 25, I was actually starting law school. And this is completely before the internet. And I did something by default because, you know, back then it was, if you're smart, you go after some sort of professional degree or you start some sort of company or, or business or, you know, whatever it happens to be. In my case, I decided that I was going to go to law school because I had some friends and mentors that were already through the process or in the process. That was one of the reasons why. And um, I just didn't want to be a 40-year-old waiter that was living in Atlantic City partying too much. And <laughs> I, I truly wanted to accomplish something. So I, I had that drive. So that, that's number one. Number one is you have to have some sort of internal drive to want to accomplish things, create things, succeed, however you want to term it. And then number two is... I made tons of mistakes in my life. I mean, I look back on going to law school and, and getting jobs and, and different decisions I made. I mean, I made a lot of horrible decisions and I, I'd like to have a lot of those back too, but you can't do that. But with all the information on the internet now for young men, especially in virtually every aspect of your life that you want to better yourself at, you have absolutely no excuses. If you're fucking around and you're playing Call of Duty and smoking pot all the time, you're a loser. It's really that simple. I mean, I still am amazed every single day that I have a supercomputer in my hand that allows me to access all of the greatest thinkers for all of history. If you're not using that to your advantage, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. There's nothing that can motivate you. I mean... I wake up every day and I almost pinch myself because I think I wake up and I look at my phone and I'm, I'm looking at my Shopify store to make sure everything's cool. And maybe do I need to change some settings and, you know, handling orders and, and emails and everything. It, it still fascinates me that you can run an international business from a pocket sized device. So people, need to realize how significant that is. And I recognize I span both eras, which I think my brain's wired a little differently because of that. Um, I've obviously taken really good care of myself. I'm really into health and fitness and diet and everything. So I have a lot of gas in the tank. But having been sentient before the internet even existed and then to be able to use it as a tool and for entertainment and knowledge acquisition, and contacting people and everything else. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to me. And another point on 
success and accomplishment and doing things is you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to have hurdles. You're going to face adversity. And as you go through it, what you're going to realize is those are the things that make you stronger and better and smarter and more resilient for the next challenge that comes up. And as I was going through this process with Noble Body, what I was realizing is at first I'd get all nervous and uptight because, oh, here's another problem. And then something happened along the way. It was, it's just an op- another opportunity for me to get smarter and stronger and to learn something else. That's how I view every issue and every problem now is it's a challenge to be overcome that will make me smarter and better. And once you start to adapt these mindsets where you just absolutely cannot be defeated and nothing will stop you, then nothing will stop you. But a lot of people are stopping themselves because they don't have the wherewithal to get going or pick something or they quit too easy or they get too frustrated or they're lazy or they're too distracted with other bullshit or they're drinking too much or whatever the issue might be. I mean, you have to overcome all of your own obstacles in order to get to a place where you're going to truly accomplish something at, I won't say any level, a lot of things can be easier, but if you want to accomplish something great for yourself and your life, put yourself on a long timeline and just get started. I mean, that's what I did. I knew this was a long timeline when I started it. I didn't, I didn't think there was any magic day where I worked for 10 months and bam, a giant chunk of money falls out of the sky. That wasn't my objective. And I knew that wasn't going to be that way anyway. So, you know, here I am five years later, four and a half years later. So I hope that helps. That was awesome. That was awesome. Look, this was great. Um, this is a very concrete episode as far as, you know, I asked you some questions and you laid out a bunch of stuff that was very real, very practical, very grounded in your own personal experience. And I think that's, um, that's going to be really awesome for a lot of people who are interested in paying attention to what you had to say. Um, the next thing I want to say is, um, I also feel like, you know, there's a lot more that could have been said here tonight and i know you said you've got some more products coming out so if you ever want to come back on and um, when your new products are coming out and give them a little promotion and dive deeper into some other stuff you're welcome to do that and and finally i just want to thank you for taking the time i mean you know i know you're a busy guy and i know you got a lot of stuff going on and um so i'm grateful that you came on here to let me pick your mind and to share your wisdom with my listeners yeah thank you for having me on i, I love doing this i mean Obviously, part of it is promotion because I want to bring some more visibility to my company. Uh, obviously, that's the selfish reasons. And then there's all these other reasons to want to just share my story and, and talk to people that may be going through some of the same struggles because I know a lot of us are in the same boat. I mean, we're, you know, we're trying to accomplish things and, and do great things and build companies and we have some great ideas and I mean, it's, it's truly a community. So there, there's a lot of that too. And yeah, I'd love to come back on. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, man. This is just, this is fun to be able to vent this stuff because I can't hold it all in. It's just, you know, just too much of it, man. <laughs> it's a lot yeah, of, man. a lot of information. hundred percent. And I, and I feel that, and you know, as far as selfishness goes, this podcast is 100% selfish in origins. I just wanted to be able to talk to interesting people and pick their brains and learn. You know, I'm a fascinated yeah. guy. And, I, and, and so I'm very grateful for this. And then one of the things I learned along the way is like, if it, anything that you're into, if you, can, if you can 
get value for other people. It's, it's going to make you feel better and it's going to, it's going to increase your odds of a satisfactory life. So it's like, okay, how, like I give you the chance to promote your stuff and then I get to pick your brain and then some other people get to learn a whole bunch of things from you. So it's a, it's a win across the board as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, it's been my pleasure to have you here and we'll have you on anytime you want. Just let me know and we'll, uh, we'll set it up. Yeah. Uh, two new products right here. Final testing. Um, that testing process is crazy. I'm uh, testing the shit out of these two products right now. Actually three of them. Um, it's pretty exciting, but I, I, I don't cut them loose until they're ready. So I, uh, I have work to do on them and have some branding and label and packaging issues to resolve. I mean, it just, it never stops, but what's in the bottle is going to be great. And that's kind of where it starts for me. I want to have the absolute best products in the bottle that I possibly can. And, you know, without that, this means nothing to me. So, um, but it's, it's quite a process, man. Well, Johnny brother, um, why don't you uh, wrap it up by telling them where they can find you and we'll put links to um, your website in the show notes. Oh yeah. Anybody that's watching, uh, I have a, an absolute blast on Twitter. I mean, that's how I met chance and lots of other people. And I, I don't, I promote my products occasionally, obviously, but I love to post a lot of other stuff on there. It's fun. I'm at Johnny noble body. My site is noble-body.com. Uh, go check it out, especially men. Um, I One of the things I'm really proud of is I created the first men's face oil on earth. As I was going through that process, I realized, and I was studying all those women's face oils, there wasn't one for men. So for whatever reasons, I don't still don't know why, none of the big companies went after the men's market specifically targeting men with a product like this there's a zillion bullshit lotions and all that but I'm really proud of this product a lot of men are using it many 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 hundreds right now are using it all over the world and I'm super proud of it and I use it every single day too so um, check it out and if you have any questions just hit me up I answer them all the time man. this is just this is a blast but Twitter's Twitter's fun uh, noble bodies on Instagram too noble.body and uh you know we're gonna keep cranking away we're not stopping so um and yeah i'll come on again um i'll wait till some new things happen in the next 30 to 60 days and and we can revisit it it'll be fun because um there's a whole bunch of things i'm working on right now that are going to come to fruition here in the next couple months so never stop perfect well you heard it folks there's going to be some exciting things coming down the pipeline Go and uh, check it out. Invest in some well-being for your face. And uh, <laughs> I like that. Thanks again for being here, bro. Yeah, man. No problem. Peace. I love you. Thanks for having me on. Have a great weekend. Yeah, buddy.